Welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Gonzalez Cumberbatch, and I know firsthand that it takes a village to raise a child, but most importantly, that it takes a village to uplift a mother. A mother's village is necessary and can take up many forms. Consider this podcast as part of your motherhood village. No matter the season of motherhood you're in, every conversation will give you more tools to add to your parenting toolbox, and you'll feel supported, inspired, and uplifted. So let's get into an informative and empowering conversation. Hello, thank you, and welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I am your host, Nicole Cumberbatch. I am on with a very special guest, Sarah Harmon of the School of Moms. Sarah, how are you today? I'm good. Yes, I'm very good. I'm post-dinner, like in the middle of bedtime, so I'm (laughs) in full mom mode. Yes. Um, hence me even tripping over my words. Exactly. It's been a long day. We're just coming off of a three-day weekend. But before we dive into my icebreaker round and my questions, why don't you tell my listeners a little bit about you and yeah. School of Mom before we jump into everything? Sure. My name is Sarah Harmon. I'm a therapist and a mindfulness and yoga teacher. I have two girls of five and an almost four-year-old. Uh, who is reminding me daily now because her birthday is coming up. Um, And I founded a company called The School of Mom. Mom stands for Mothering Oneself Mindfully. And that was a little over two years ago. Um, So The School of Mom is a resource and community um, and a few programs that help women learn and integrate the practices of mindfulness and self-compassion into their lives to take care of themselves, to mother themselves, and to break generational patterns of guilt, of shame, pretty much any pattern that um, they have come to understand really just doesn't serve them anymore. Um, So that's the School of Mom. I do also have a clinical group practice called the Postpartum Wellness Group. So um, I have five amazing clinicians who are all moms doing mental health therapy for women in the uh, in Massachusetts and Rhode Island currently. I love that. And I cannot wait to talk all about that because it's kind of a, 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 a sweet spot of mine as well in talking about mental health, especially when it comes to moms, because I feel like we, we talk about it, but we don't really talk about it enough. Yeah. But okay, before we get into all of that, what is your favorite book? Uh, my community members know that I'm I have a few. Um, but right now, I would say the top book I'm recommending and has truly, truly changed my life, and I I don't say that lightly, is a book called Unbound by, I'm pretty sure you pronounce it, Kasha Urbaniak or um, Mm -hmm. Urbaniak. It's it's a unique name, but I highly, highly recommend it. It's very powerful. Okay, perfect. What are the values that guide you and your family? I love this question, and I would say currently right now... um, it's, it's the acknowledging that you're perfectly imperfect. It's really what I teach in the School of Mom, which is curiosity, acceptance, mm-hmm. kindness, and um, really allowing yourself to, to flounder and to, and to uh, move through things with, with respect and, and um, that self-love and self-acceptance. Um, and very much, uh, an, I, I think for me, I grew up, you know, honesty and integrity was really big. And that's important to me as I raise my kids too. I love that. How has motherhood transformed you? Oh, <laughs> we could spend the rest of the podcast on this, but um, in a nutshell, I would say 
It has been my biggest teacher in the practices of mindfulness and self-compassion. I think the the biggest mirror um, is my kids in so many ways. Um, So it has, I think, broken my heart open, my practice open, um, and really pushed me to the brink in many ways, uh, to to places where I just couldn't really ignore the need for self-care or the need to really kind of take a good look at some, you know, dysfunction in my relationship and all these things. So it's kind of pushed me in many ways to the, to the edge. Um, and that has ended up being the best thing because it's, I think, ended up in a lot of self-reflection and work and getting support to be where I am, where I am today and to be continually evolving. Love it. So the podcast name is the motherhood village. And I, have said this time and time again, and what I've learned now that I've been doing this podcast for almost two and a half years is that it takes a village to raise a child. It does. But most importantly, I think it takes a village to uplift a mother. And I don't think we do that enough or pay attention to that. I think a lot of the focus is on the child, which is great. But truthfully, I think if mom is taken care of, then everything kind of trickles down. So who has been a part of your motherhood village and what resources have been a part of your motherhood village? I believe they go hand in hand. A hundred percent. My friends who had kids who were a little bit ahead of me were lifelines. I have a few that were local. Um, I I raised my kids in Charlestown, which is a little um, area of Boston. And there was a few moms that were on speed dial that I would do walks with, that I would, you know, I'd be crying as I was breastfeeding, talking to them, going, well, how do I do this? Um, And two women in particular who own a company called Nurture by Naps, uh, Emily Silver and Jamie O'Day, they were our first friends, but as professionals, they were, they're lactation consultants, they're labor delivery nurses, they're moms, and they have bring and brought this blend of personal and professionalism that I, I just, I couldn't have done it without them. I would have really been underwater. Um, and, you know, my sister also was an amazing support too, um, just because, you know, I, I could call her and not have to explain myself and that's always helpful. Sure. And then were there any particular resources that you use that were part of your motherhood village? What, any things that you yeah. tapped into? Yeah. So definitely um, NAPS. It's now called Nurture by NAPS. It was Boston NAPS with Jamie and Emily. They uh, have some, I did a, one of their mom support groups. And before they did that, uh, my first kid I did, I joined a local mom's group. I think Libby was three months and it was with this woman named Nancy And that was just, it was a gold situation for me. Um, Meeting, you know, I met the woman that I did a nanny share with and I'm still really, really close to. Um, So that was a resource. Um, And really that was kind of the main thing. I didn't dive too much into books or things like that other than Emily Oster, who I think many people listening might know. Um, I tried to steer clear of the 9,000 parenting things and I just really kind of picked one and Jamie and Emily were it. I asked them everything and I followed their advice advice blindly and it worked out. I love that. And thank you for saying that because I, I know some parents um, or moms that have read all the things and then their child comes and they're like, okay, it was nothing like that, you know? Yeah. And I think it's good for any, you know, new moms listening, expectant moms listening, um, that it's okay, you know? And I think you make a good point, kind of find that group 
And yeah. there's resources, whether it's to group, as you mentioned, there's postpartum, I think international, and I believe they do some things for prenatal and stuff like, it's okay, you don't have to read all the things I know it can get overwhelming, but find what works and kind of aligns with you. But now with all of that said, the School of Moms, so you mentioned it briefly, why don't you t- dive into it a little bit more, what exactly it, it, it is and how it came to fruition? Yeah. So, you know, I wish I could say that it was all, you know, rainbows and unicorns, but the school of mom actually came out of a lot of pain and a lot of suffering Mm -hmm. on my end. So my mother struggles with mental illness and um, over a decade ago uh, had a psychotic break, uh, her first one. And um, it's been a long road. And basically when I had kids, you know, I'd been through a lot of grieving around the mother that I didn't have and wanted to have. And then when I had kids, Mm -hmm. it it really was accentuated, right? Because I just wanted someone to mother me. And I was, yeah. you know, lost and tired and um, really, you know, you <laughs> felt like I was drowning sometimes. And because of that, again, it's kind of like, as I mentioned earlier, like I was pushed to this brink of really having to figure it out on my own. And mm-hmm. um, basically what I what I learned, Nikki, through, you know, being in, in a graduate program for my master's in clinical mental health counseling and also diving into the ancient wisdom of mindfulness and doing a graduate graduate certificate mm-hmm. in that. Um, I really learned on, on such a deep level because of personal and professional experience at the right. time that the, you know, there's only one person that can truly fill the mother bucket, right? It's like, and you know, my husband would say, you know, my mom's amazing. And I'm like, she is, I have the most amazing mother-in-law, but there's a hole for, for so many. And I'm guessing your, your listeners, um, who have a strained relationship with their mom, or perhaps you haven't had a mom for whatever reason might understand this. There's just a bucket that no one else can fill. It doesn't matter how wonderful your mother-in-law is. It's empty. And so I learned that really the next best person and the only person that can fill that bucket, which needs to be filled, is yourself. And so this acceptance and this self-compassion and this permission that I was desperately seeking from this mother figure that I didn't have was really only to be found within me. And I had to learn that, right? Because it wasn't modeled for me. And in my mom's lineage, there was a lot of guilt a lot of manipulation, a lot of self-deprecation, a lot of self-criticism. And so I had to really kind of ground myself and learn these practices of compassion and acceptance. Um, and so I was having this personal experience and then simultaneously, you know, talking to all my female clients about their similar struggles with their moms and their similar struggles with self-doubt and their similar struggles with this, you know, intense expectations and, and really perfectionism and anxiety that was you know, rearing its ugly head when they became a mom. Um, because, you know, these, these clients that I work with, it's not that they didn't have anxiety and high expectations of themselves before. Like they, you know, when they were pre-kids, they had them. But when you have a kid, everything goes on steroids, right? And it becomes like a fire hose, truly. You can't, you can't discern, you know, between it. So, that really was um, kind of an aha for me of saying, wow, all, you know, my mom was this extreme situation. And because of that, I had to learn a lot and really kind of integrate this, my psychology background and my mindfulness experience and practices. But wow, this is all needed for my, the population that I work with, whether it's 
the clinical population or these friends that I'm having conversations with. And I'm, you know, I'm hearing the same struggles. And so really it was, I, you know, I say it was birthed, um, no pun intended, between the, the personal experience with my mom and my professional experience working with women in this intimate setting. Um, and so that's, you know, what the School of Mom is. And I launched it on Mother's Day in uh, March of 20, or May of 2020, excuse me, that's when wow. Mother's Day is. Yep, it was right in the thick of the pandemic. Um, and I accelerated that launch. I was supposed to launch it in the fall, but I accelerated it because of this acute need for support and community and the the practice of mindfulness and self-compassion that was, you know, just all of a sudden, it was like a tidal wave in, in the pandemic. Um, so, so, and two years, two and a half, you know, years later, here we are. I think that's amazing. It's interesting because I didn't understand that dynamic until I, I spoke with someone else um, who actually talked about that of how parenting without a parent, right? Um, and I've, I've, I've been surrounded by grief. I've lost a lot of loved ones, but I never, you know, had to deal with like a, an immediate family member, like my yeah. the loss of a parent or something. So when I, when I had heard that concept of like, wow, like, yeah, what, God forbid, what would I do if I didn't have my mom or if my mother, to your point, wasn't in the right capacity to really help me? Like, you know, you kind of take that for granted, but to your other point is saying, if we don't have that, because you know, we all want our moms. And I think that's something that never changes, right? If, you know, if we're going through something, it's like, well, we want, we want our mom, you know? Um, but to say that if we don't have that, and at some point, you know, we are not going to have our moms, how do then we figure it out on our own, right? That must be a huge transition in whatever level that is, whether you do have the parents, or, you know, whether you do have children with it or not. Um, but what does mothering oneself mindfully mean? Like, what do those practices entail? And why was it so important to create it? I guess not why was it so important to create it. What I'll reframe that as is, what have you learned now two years later of why it's even validated of why you, and you're, you know, not, you know, you're like, okay, I'm glad I created this because I saw what it's done so far. Yeah. So we all have these downloads, right? We're programmed um, for better or for worse by what was modeled for us and what was taught to us. And a lot of that was unconscious, right? Our parents didn't have the resources and these, they didn't, they weren't having conversations or listening to podcasts where new awareness was coming out, right? Or they were actually questioning their parenting or how they were parented. And so it's interesting, Nikki, that I, you know, I said that a lot of a lot of the clients I work with have these struggles with their moms. Their moms aren't really, uh, it's a strained relationship or they're not showing up in the way they want. But I actually have a significant group of women that come to me whose moms are over the top, like supportive and there, they're the martyr mom. And they're also saying, I don't want to be that. Like my mom lost herself, <laughs> yes. right? Yes. So I think yes. the importance is, and this is mindfulness. Mindfulness, you know, is to see things clearly. It's really waking up. And so it's all about taking a step back and getting some perspective on ourselves with compassion. And that's the key piece is that, you know, why is this practice so important? And how does it actually work is that, you know, a couple years in, my clients now, uh, one of my clients who I love, she said, she, she sent me a message. She said, the school of mom shit really works, Sarah. And I was like, yeah. And, and what she meant by that is 
in the moment where she lost her, you know, her, I'm sorry if I can't swear, I lost her shit no, her kids, kids. <laughs> or she um, was in a fight with her, with her partner, or, you know, she forgot something or whatever it was in those moments, instead of this unconscious, you know, self berating or, mm. um, you know, just getting, you know, so down on herself or questioning or whatever it is in those moments, she's able to pause and access some discernment around how she shows up for herself or how she, mm. what behavior she chooses. And that is like a superpower, I think, for women and for moms to be able to, and this is actually that book Unbound that I was mentioning. It's about women staying in their power by not going into these spirals of shame and spirals of um, anxiety, right? It, being able to stay grounded and and um, be more conscious and really shift the way that the, you know they are parenting from a place of of discernment and really it's empowering. I think for women to say, well, this because you and I, you know, I love how you asked about values. We have different values. So when I am in a, an like a you know snap quick reaction. Mm. Um, the, how I want to shift that probably will be different than how you want to. So it's all about That's owning true. that, right? And but the the skill is not getting caught up. I call it a zip line, right? So we have it's milliseconds, Nikki, where mm -hmm. someone can change the course of sure. their thoughts, right? Or, or we could be triggered, or something yeah. can trigger us in two seconds. Absolutely, two seconds, right? And so this practice, it's not for. The quick fix people. It takes time. It takes some diligence. But once you really start to see the, the light bulb moment where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm noticing myself having mm -hmm. the thought or I'm noticing the pattern playing out while it's playing out, not after the fact. Mm -hmm. It's That's the moment where you can access discernment and make a different choice. And so, um, and really when it comes down to not only, of course, is this in interactions with our kids and the people we love, mm -hmm. but of course it's with ourselves and making choices to take care of ourselves. Um, so when I speak about mothering oneself mindfully, like what does that mean? You know, a way that I talk about it is just, it's a kind of another word for self-care, another phrase for mm -hmm. self-care. Um, and the way that I speak about it, and I think sometimes a light bulb goes off is, you know, okay, if you were with your kids and you said to them, no, you're tired, you're really tired, but I just want you to have three more shows or one more show <laughs> and a huge bowl of ice cream because I know you're super tired. <laughs> like we wouldn't do that, right? Because you, yeah. you want to, you, you really know what's kind of best for them. But then when it comes to ourselves... We're like, oh, I'm so tired, but you know what? Fuck, I'm just going to eat that and I'm going to like watch those. And that's fine. Of course it is. But, you know, same with our kids. We're like, all right, it's fine one or two nights, but we know it's just, you know, it comes from such a place of love with them. It's not like a punishment thing of like, no, they can't do that. It's like, no, I really want them to rest well. And I want them to have these days where they feel energized, right? So if we think, if we take that, perspective and approach of, you know, boundaries and choices with our children and apply them to ourselves, it's kind of like, oh, wait a second. You know, if I'm, that shifts it from a, a punishment or a um, kind of a, you know, being so hard on yourself to make these decisions to one of love and compassion. I call it compassionate discipline where you're like, you know what, what's actually best for me right now is just to go to bed. <laughs> you know, and I love that because I think, um, and I love how you said it's a kind of like a, a, a way of self-care and I think it gets a, a deeper approach to it. 
because yeah, I, I think it all is a part of that, anything that's taking care of yourself. But, you know, I think when you break that down of mothering oneself mindfully, it's like, yeah, you know, being mindful, being kind of present, I think we all kind of um, aspire to be taking that pause and saying, okay, well, I need to do this or before we react to those triggers. Mm-hmm. You know, I've said this time and time again, I say this now probably even more often, because I just feel like it's something that needs to be said often. I think the hardest part about parenthood in general, because I think, you know, we don't talk enough to that dads have their, their own things with it, especially dads that are present, right, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't want to, I don't want to completely just make it a mom thing, because I think dads have then their own set of things that they have to work through once they become a father. Yeah. Um, obviously, we know, yes, when a mother gives birth, things change scientifically, for sure. But again, just don't want to completely throw the dads out there. But I think one of the hardest things about becoming a parent in general is you're trying to mother, you're trying to father, parent this little human being and doing all of the things that, as you just said, you should be like, okay, let's be mindful about what they're eating while still taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. That to me is the hardest part, right? It is because your own triggers come up, your own trauma comes up of whatever that looked like for you. Well, why am I reacting to this this way? I never thought I'd react to this. Like you said, we all kind of maybe prior to kids, when you said earlier, we might've had a little anxiety of certain things or whatever, but everything is amplified once you have a child and you don't, I don't care what anybody says. You can read all the books like we also said, but you don't know how you're going to parent until you parent. I was a corporate executive and I was sitting there like, oh, wow, like I got this. Like when motherhood comes, like I'm going to, I've, I've managed a team before I've been in high stressful situations. I got this. And then once my son came, it, I had no clue, um, completely gutted from, you know, had this anxiety that I never thought I had before. I think having that mindfulness with it, I think is so important to speak of. And I'm glad that there are people like you who are speaking on it, because I don't think it's talked about often, especially, like I said, I think the hardest part of parenthood is, Mother, I guess, yeah, mothering yourself when you also have to raise this little human being to be a kind, right. you know, functioning adult in society and teach them all the good things that, you know, we wish we would have been taught or whatever that we now know better while we're all still going through our own shit. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that that's why I really say that self-care, it, it's one way to, to kind of explain mothering oneself mindfully, but they're very different because... Self-care really, you know, everyone has a different definition or perception of it, but it really does fall in like the the action and behavior category. Mm -hmm. Good point. Mm -hmm. Where where it's it's all about the doing, right? Oh, I'm going to go, you know, whether it's getting a manicure or like going on a trip or whatever it is. Whereas mothering oneself mindfully, when you're taking care of your kids, when you're caring for your child, a lot of times it's not about the action. It's about the presence that you bring and the words that you say. And that is where I think women miss this amazing opportunity for self-caring. And that's mothering oneself mindfully. That's saying to yourself in the moment, you know, this is hard and you're, you're not alone in this and you're, you're doing a great job, you know, and, and speaking to yourself. And that doesn't take a lot of time and it packs an amazing punch right? And so I, it's an and situation where like, we absolutely need the time off and the, the actual self-care. And you're right. Like, it's so hard to get that, right? We need those things. And those are the things we can't, it's, you know, I have a lot of women that have resistance to the word self-care because they're like, 
yeah, fuck you, Sarah. When am I going to get that? And I'm like, I get it. I know. Like, you know, it's another thing we have to do to show up for our kids in a good way. Right. For sure. So it's, you know, I think it's, it's important to name that. So that's where mothering oneself mindfully is it's the mental and emotional component um, that we really need to focus on and, and bring into the conversation of the self-care piece. I love it. And now let's pivot a little bit to postpartum wellness group. How did that come to be? And I know we're going to talk a little bit now more about the perinatal mental health aspect, which ties all together. So it would make sense. Um, But tell me where that came from. And as a a licensed mental health therapist, what resources are needed for mothers in perinatal mental health? Yeah, this, I'm so glad that you're bringing this up. And I know you bring it up a lot on your podcast. And I'm so grateful because this is obviously a conversation that is very important now (laughs) um, in our country. Um, So Mm -hmm. perinatal mental health, the fascinating thing is when I was in grad school, I didn't even learn the term perinatal mental health. I learned it after I graduated, right? Um, so perinatal is the the time from conception to one year of birth. But um, you know, when you think of postpartum, so postpartum is you know after you've had the child. I really think postpartum is beyond. Like we can say it's that one year period, but I'm I still experience I'm postpartum. You know, I've, I'm past the the birth, but yeah. Um, so. During this time, and and this is something I heard, so I actually did uh, one of the resources that um, you mentioned in the beginning, which is my go-to resource for perinatal mental health is postpartum.net. I Mm -hmm. highly recommend everyone check out that website. They now have a 24-hour text line, which is, it just came out and I'm just so proud of this organization. It's one of the organizations I donate to when I can because... Um, they just have some amazing offerings and support happening, accessible support. Um, but they said in a training that I was in years ago, um, this, and it stuck with me. They said, no time, no other time in your life do you have the biggest physical, biological, social, emotional, practical, relational, and spiritual change in one day. And it's not even one day. It's like the moment your kid comes out, however they come out, right? Whether I just imagine like all these sparkly things and it's like so true. It's like bam, 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 bam. bam. It doesn't matter whether you've birthed that child or you're hanging, you know, you pick up that child and, and it's just your whole life blows up. And so from a mental health perspective, you know, if I was sitting in an intake with someone, I'm going to ask them any big changes in your life. You know, have you moved? Have you gotten a new job? Has there been a loss? Now you have a mom or or a dad, you know, any any person that's had a child come into their life, they have so many changes that are happening all at once that of course they're at risk. They're at risk for dysregulation. And then with mom, you throw in uh, both partners sleep deprivation. Um, with mom, you have significant hormone changes and a real loss of her life as she knew it, right? And her body sometimes and those. Those of us who have had some bursts that didn't go as planned, I had one that was a little bit hairy at, at times, you're processing that as well. And so so I say, you know, of course, not everyone struggles with perinatal mental health uh, disorders, um, but it's one in five for women and one in 10 for dads. I think after the pandemic, that number is a lot higher. And I've heard now some studies coming out about this because the number one risk factor for all mental health struggles is isolation. And so we had a pandemic, of course, as we know, where we had 
women in a very vulnerable, fragile time isolating when the most significant thing you need to get through that is support, right? And community. Um, so, so the postpartum wellness group really came out of this acute need of, of you know, I, I couldn't take on any more clients. Um, and I was hearing women saying, I could, you know, where do I find a therapist? And, and also, you know, I heard some, some comments about, you know, I see this therapist, but she's not a mom. And, um, I just feel like sometimes I'm trying to explain myself and, and so really the postpartum wellness group came out of, for me, realizing there was just a need to, to provide care <laughs> and to provide care from not only experienced mental health clinicians, but from moms, because, when it comes down to it, you know, with motherhood, you really don't understand until you go through it. You just can't. And I have so many providers now that have said to me, and I'm the same of like, I can't believe the stuff I used to say to moms before I was a mom or the judgment that I had, right? It's like you cross over this amazing threshold of awareness and compassion that you just can't, if you don't live it, you can't be empathic in a certain way. So, so all my clinicians are moms. And I think that's just, it's kind of a, um, it's so important, I think, to feel heard and seen in a therapeutic relationship. A hundred percent. Now I've heard this term mom rage a lot and some of it could be, I think, you know, it's, it's that um, glamorous, not glamorous word, but that like, Ooh, you know, mom rage. But I was like, I know I've had my moments of why am I like this angry? Like why? And I, whether it goes back to the initial triggers and I'm sure you'll talk about is like, why is this little person triggering to the point that I feel rage in quotes, like, you know, but that like just so much frustration. Mm -hmm. What is that? And what are some signs or things that single mothers or mothers in general, or maybe family members can see in, in moms, or maybe even dads that something is significant that they should really seek help for? Yeah. So, you know, we get, when you think of like anger or frustration, right, that goes unresolved, and it feels like you can't quite uh, experience it, or you, you don't have the space or the time or the permission for whatever reason to fully feel it and release it. And so it, it builds, right? The, the anger and, um, the resentment, and it really f just expands upon itself into this, what seems like uncontrollable rage. Um, and you know, if you can almost just imagine or like feel it in your body, like it's, it feels like you, you are busting out of your skin, right? And so with, with women, a hard part about that is, you know, you're experiencing this anger and growing anger and you're kind of in a stagnant situation, right? You're like, there's so many times where, you know, you're, you're just stuck there. You can't move really because you got a sleeping baby on you. And so your body is stuck and, and you're in a, you know, for, if you live in a city or a small place, you're, you're, and the toys are, crowding you and your partner's oh, crowding you yes. and your life is crowding you and you yes. just can't, you can't get, you can't express, you can't, you know, flail. <laughs> and so it just stays stagnant. And, and so there's that physical component of, of stagnancy, I think. Um, and then also, of course, there's the mental reaction to anger of shame and of, I shouldn't be feeling this. Or, you know, I, I think for, for many of us, uh, and I definitely was raised this way, anger was not a welcomed emotion. 
And I've had to educate, you know, my dad about anger, um, especially in the aftermath. I, I did this scream that went viral uh, this year of, uh, to help my community members unleash this pent up anger and rage. So I really, it was this wonderful opportunity to educate the men in my life um, and including my father around anger and why women are so angry and, and you know, why this is so important. Um, so for women that feel like they're, they're crawling out of their skin and they want to hit something, um, what I would say to you is, you are, this is, it can be healthy to feel anger. Of course, healthy, all emotions are healthy emotions. Where it becomes unhealthy is when you don't have the opportunity to process it, whether it's with a therapist or a trusted friend um, that you don't necessarily need to explain it to, right? This, the reason why the, the screams I did with communities of women and moms were so cathartic is that we did not need to explain why we were screaming, right? Reporters were asking me, so why are you all screaming? And it was like, how do you not know why we're screaming, right? And I didn't need to explain that to the women screaming around me. We knew exactly. We, we looked each other in the eyes and we said, I know why we're here. Let's let this out together. I am here for yes. you. I am here for you. Let's do this. And that I think is the best thing when you can be in relationship with someone who gives you that permission, who can feel that with you and help you and release, uh, release it with you essentially. Um, so what I would say to women that are like, oh yes, I have this anger for whatever reasons. Cause there's count the, count the things that are fueling our anger right now. Right. There's endless, endless, endless sources. Right. I know. Like we just all should like take a deep breath. I'm like, like, yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and what I would say is find, find your mom friend or your, your very compassionate, empathic, non-judging friend or supporter who says, yeah, I get your anger. You don't even need to explain it to me. Or if you want to go for it, like, tell me why you're angry. And then let's go go to a boxing class. Let's go scream into the wind. Let's go like out to the beach and just yell into the waves, right? Let's just get rid of this for, for um, even for just a hot second. And time and time again, with the screams that I led and the screams that went around the globe because of, of that viral scream, women wrote to me or told me they had no idea how powerful one or two screams could be for them. Like, be, like the women said that they slept better after one or two screams and they had, you know, almost like they caught themselves off guard. It was like, I didn't know it was that quote unquote simple, even though it's not right. It's not simple to give yourself permission to make this loud, you know, to take up space, right? Women, again, we judge ourselves for being the, like the loud one sometimes. And um, so you can see how I get really passionate about the scream. But what I would say is if you're feeling the anger, first off, I'd be surprised if you're not. So I want to normalize that for people. And if you are, you know, think about the physical component of it and move it out and through and around, shake it out, um, yell it out, say it yeah, in, in a way that feels safe to you. That's, that's the key piece. So that's where that community that you trust or that one person that you trust is so important. And then um, going to that part two of that, what are some signs that a mother can look out for themselves yeah. and that family members um, can also look out for that signify that there's something a little bit more serious going on here than maybe just the normal, okay, they're angry or they're mom rage, or maybe they need to let it out that it's a little deeper than that. Yes. 
This is where postpartum.net is a huge resource. And just even familiarizing yourself with the signs and symptoms of um, what we call perinatal, uh, mood and anxiety, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. I would say if, you know, if you, and it's hard to kind of sum it up in a, in a short kind of red flag, but if this has been going on for a long time and you, you feel like you can't actually stay grounded in any perspective, right? You are, um, you're not sleeping and you, you, it's the, it's, as I said, that kind of fire hose of thoughts, fire hose of emotions, and you can't get any break from it. It's relentless. Um, and it's impacting your life in a very negative way. You, you know, you're angry with your kids or your, your relationship is, is, um, really struggling, or perhaps it's coming out at work if you work, um, Definitely physical symptoms, right? Um, you know, you're having um, panic attacks or, you know, some significant GI distress or, or, you know, starting to become a little bit of a detective of some some of the ways that these mental and emotional disorders can show up in the body, right? Where you're really uncomfortable. Um, uh, and I think, you know, it's, I'm a, I'm a therapist, so I'm biased. I just don't think it can ever really hurt if you're at all concerned, right? Even if you have some anger, it's a great opportunity to seek someone that you trust. And it doesn't have to be a therapist, but really as a mom, you know, you, you said it with the village, I, I would say make it a priority to seek out, to ask for some support around um, how hard it is to be a mom right now. I love it. Now, um, for the School of Mom, what all the resources, I know you have the Postpartum Wellness Group, but what other resources does the School of Mom provide? And then we're going to jump into your journey as a small business owner. Yeah. So it's, I always kind of say that the School of Mom is a bit like its own child. Um, it's now out of the infant stage. So I, uh, you know, in the infant stage, you're like, who are you going to be? And <laughs> what's wrong with you? Yeah. And, you <laughs> That's know, I, so true. <laughs> I, I have these expectations that I'm not sure you're living up to or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and now, you know, over two years in, I have some real clarity on what the school of mom is, which is really fun. I've now, uh, so, so I have a signature program. It's called mothering oneself mindfully. It is how it started and it is really where it is. Um, it's just the the way that that program uh, has broken down has really evolved. So um, starting next year, the School of Mom, um, its foundational program, which is Mothering Oneself Mindfully, is truly going to be a school year program. So it's going to run from October to May. And it is my uh, foundational curriculum of mindfulness. Um, and then really the way I speak of the, the School of Mom and this program um, is, you know, it's it's almost like you are creating, you're becoming kind of the gardener of your own mind and body where you can see those programmed unconscious weeds, so to speak, the things that have kind of grown in you, the thoughts, the beliefs um, that you might want to pull up and relocate <laughs> um, and then plant new seeds and plant those seeds with the practices of mindfulness and some self-compassion. Um, but three other key components that I say are, are you know, in, in Mothering Oneself Mindfully, they're like the soil, water, and sun of a garden. Um, and those are boundaries, pleasure, and rest. I think that, you know, every mom is unique, every child's unique, but those three core components are so important for really mothering yourself and, and healing, I think, some of these, uh, these unconscious ways of being that we've inherited. 
Okay, love it. Um, and as a small business owner, why don't you tell my listeners, because we have some mompreneurs, some entrepreneurs that also listen, maybe some challenges setback and setbacks mm-hmm. that you've encountered and some successes or achievements that you'd like to kind of shout out, give yourself a shout out for and say, wait, we've done this. You know, you asked what what I needed for uh, in terms of a village for my kid. And the same goes for my business. I think the only reason I am where I am is because of a few things. It's a mastermind that I'm a part of that's in Boston with these amazing women and business owners. Um, and it's also these programs and masterminds um, that I've signed up for, that I've invested in um, outside of that small network that I have that's local. And so I would say if you're if you're a business owner listening, please, even though it's uncomfortable, pay the uncomfortable price and sign up for the program with a leader and a community that can catch you and hold you and carry you to the next level for your business. Um, just it's a no-brainer. And I think that recently I realized that me signing up and and you know hitting submit on a payment that was bigger than I've made was actually my own way of modeling to my clients in School of Mom that I'm worth my own time and attention. And so are you, right? So we're all having these parallel processes and that me investing in myself for this company and the evolution of the School of Mom is directly connected to you investing in yourself in this program, right? We all, it's its just energy <laughs> that is being, you know, passed around and, and, and put into ourselves. And so that's the number one thing I would say is support. Um, and then realizing what you're not good at. I think I've had, you know, the times I've been in tears in my business, um, which are many, um, are when it's, you know, late at night and I'm trying to figure out an email funnel system, right? And I'm like, why? I don't understand why this email keeps going out. And I'm like, and it's just because it's not my strength. And so know your strengths and as much as you can, you know, hire or ask for help with the things that just feel like a million pound weights, right? Because they're not for other people. People love the tech side of things. It's not my zone of genius. It's not what I'm good at. Um, So that would be the second biggest thing is just, especially as moms, you have limited resources and energy. So in your business, try not to get bogged down by the things that really carry some, uh, it's a chore and it carries some kind of dread for you. I love that. You speaking mastermind groups and master classes. I've done so many this year and I've made some uh, some big investments too in, in you know the grand scheme of things of what I've made so far in like one purchase. Um, and it's been game changers for me. And I've, I tell all my friends or whoever I know, I'm like, if it's a free masterclass, freaking take it. You don't know what you'll come out of it, who you'll be connected with, what resource that might lead you to this, like do all of the things um, and then go from there to determine what you can pay for. So you are speaking my language with that because a hundred percent um i think it's just strength in numbers and the more you know you just just do better it's just yeah. you know you to carry it with you um but okay so um how can my listeners connect with you and then I'm, well, you could also tell me how do you specifically release reset and recharge for your own mental spiritual and physical health 
Yeah. So <laughs> it's funny. Um, one of the things that has really helped me recharge, I'll go backwards, is getting off Instagram. <laughs> so I used to be able to say, come see me on Instagram, but I've been off Instagram for a couple months and I can't even tell you, Nikki, it has changed my life. It's one of the reasons why I, I have such clarity with where my company is going and my offerings. Um, so I would see, I would say in terms of taking care of myself, it's being, it's practicing what I preach and being laser clear on where my attention is and if that's in alignment with where I want it to be and what lights me up. That has been my practice and honest. It it comes down to that value of honesty. I've had to be really honest with myself. Me getting off Instagram took a while and it was really me being honest with myself to say, this is not good for me. And if it's not good for me, it's not good for my family and it's not good for my my community right now. So I am going to dabble back onto Instagram. Um, so you feel free to come check that out because I may pop on there randomly, <laughs> but I have n- no plan to ha- be the, the daily poster because um, that's not where I want to be spending my time. Um, but in replacement of that, I would love for people listening to come join me. Actually, I'm going to have a free community um, on a platform called Mighty Networks um, that will be uh, Mothering Oneself Mindfully. So if you just go to uh, www.motheringoneselfmindfully.com, you can join that community or you can, you know, there'll be a link on Instagram. And my Instagram is the.schoolofmom. Um, but really, I, I have an email newsletter that I send out weekly and I, I love um, sharing nuggets. I think the cool thing about working with women is that we, we tend to be thinking and talking about the same things on the same days or the same weeks. And so I love kind of writing in real time and sharing what, what's coming up in my community. And I often get a lot of responses from my uh, email community that says, you nailed it. Like I'm going through this too. And I'm like, I know that's because we're all so connected. <laughs> women are, women are fucking amazing. Like we just know what's going on with each other. Right. So, um, so that would be another way I'd love to get to know you. If you're listening is, is get on my email newsletter and seriously email me. I read all my emails and I respond. I love it. Any other final thoughts to the podcast community, to the YouTube community, anything that you want to share before we sign off here today? I think just on, uh, aside from the um, the mindful attention piece, the discerning attention is is nature. I just can't stress enough for for people to to find out that what's the you know I, I I talk about it in terms of I'm not a big cook, but if you had a staple in your cabinet, like I know olive oil and garlic are a staple, like they'll make any meal good. Um, what's your staple go to grounding self care, whatever you want to call it, technique? And for me, it's nature and gentle movement. It doesn't need to be a hard workout. It's just moving, it's walking outside. And that's just a go-to. So, so know your go-tos, you're kind of foolproof, um, always accessible, or, you know, maybe not always accessible, but, you know, try to make them accessible practices um, and really prioritize those in small chunks. You know, if in pre-kids, it might've been 30 minutes plus, in this life or in this season right now, it might be five minutes and that's okay. Just prioritize that. Um, so that's what I would say is um, make it quick, make it personal to you and, um, and really be honest with yourself about making it a priority. I love it. Thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on, for sharing your truth, 
sharing your journey all about the school of mom um, so that my listeners may connect with you and continued blessings to you for love and light. Thank you. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you for listening to this impactful episode of the motherhood village podcast. Subscribe to my show so you'll never miss a future episode. You may also rate and review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with someone that can use it as part of their motherhood village. Remember, your village can take up many forms and you do not have to do it alone. Connect with me at themotherhoodvillage.com. Blessings to you for love and light.